Hi everyone, Demetrius McRae here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. As we are in our season of healing, just so you know, we are worshiping on campus and making sure that our worship experiences are safe and sanitary. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy the message. Oh, come on. I mean, if you're really ready, shout, I'm ready. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Remain standing just for a second or two more. I'm going to read God's word. I think I have a cousin in here somewhere who's come to see me. Uh, is there some family? I, I, they reached out to me on social media. Are you here? Can you wave at me? Well, praise the Lord. If, if maybe you're not my cousin, but if you're my brother and my sister, would you wave at me? Okay, that's everybody. Hallelujah. Well, I just feel like preaching today. I'm glad I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I said, I'm glad I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He, he reigns supreme and he has no rival. And since he is my king, that means I'm a part of his kingdom. Are there any kingdom people here today? I want you to know that I am an American and I'm a citizen of this nation. But even before I'm a U.S. citizen, I'm a child of the king and I am connected to his kingdom. So I'm going to teach and preach today. I'm going to bring you a very important message. I'm going to preach to you from the heart of a father. One of the things that God has called me to be is a father in this generation. I feel like he's called me with an apostolic mantle. And what apostles do, they rise up and they call order. Now the enemy wants our nation to be in disorder. He wants the church to be in disorder. But I believe where the Spirit of the Lord is, that mighty things can happen and people can come together. The enemy has tried to use this season to cause the church to be less in America. But I declare that there is a mighty revival that's coming that's gonna heal our land like never before. I speak it in faith. If you're ready for that kind of move of God that unites the hearts of men, one, two, three, make a little noise in the room right now. I'm coming today from 2 Peter chapter one. I want you to hear the whole message. Even if I make you mad a little bit, I'll make you glad before it's over. So here we go. Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given us all things. Oh, that's a good place to say thank you, Lord. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which we have, he, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust but also for this very reason given all diligence add to your faith virtue to your virtue knowledge to knowledge self-control to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness 
brotherly kindness and a brotherly kindness love tell your neighbor that means you gotta be nice come on for if these things are yours and abound you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ now watch this for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins is there anybody that's been cleansed from your old sins now watch this therefore brethren be even more diligent to make your call and your what your election sure for if you do these things you will never stumble Peter said make your call and election sure I want to teach for just a few minutes the most important election of your life how many of you are ready to hear the word today slip up your hand I'm about to turn hell's kingdom on its ear this morning I'm about to release a word father thank you for your people that I love so much thank you God that you've given me a platform and I never want to waste it I want to stand and preach truth never backing down but also uniting the hearts of men and women who love you, who are kingdom people. I give your name the praise for what you're gonna say and do today in this house and around the world. If you love Jesus, one, two, three, all the kingdom people, give him a great big praise. You can be seated. Peter said, therefore, make your call and election sure. Here at election time, I wanna remind you of what is the most important election of your whole life as a pastor somebody who loves people I love you tell your neighbor my pastor really loves me come on T tell your neighbor say I'm, I'm his favorite come on somebody yeah every one of you are my favorites today but as a pastor and an apostolic leader now in my fourth decade of preaching can you imagine that been preaching for head to four decades that's a long time from my heart if you know me because I found out the people that know you the least talk about you the most come on somebody but if you know me you know that through the years I've always sought to honor God I've always tried to stay connected to the truth the infallibility the infallibility of his word I've always tried to never compromise my faith or the Word of God. And many times through the years, I've stood before people and told them what I knew God had told me to tell them and deliver the heart of God, whether it was popular or not. If you're going to represent God, sometimes you just got to stand up and say, Lord, I'll say what you want me to say. My motivation then has remained constant and consistent. I want to honor the Lord. I want to love and unite his people. And I want to talk to you today about the most important election of your whole life. Now I realize as a nation, we're at election time. I know that this Tuesday is an election that is important and I'm not negating that. And I admonish you to pray and seek the Lord and vote I'm telling you voting is the right thing to do so hear the heart of God and hear the instructions of your spiritual leader pray and vote 
But when these elections are over, I've come to let you know, none of us, unless we have been given supernatural prophetic insight, no one knows how these elections are going to turn out. God can give prophetic clarity, but in the end, we have to trust God no matter what. Now, the reality is, we don't know who will wind up as president, but we have no doubt on who will remain King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I need to hear from the kingdom people who believe that when this is over, Jesus will still be king. One, two, three, give God a praise. To show you how old I am, in my lifetime, there have been 10 different presidents. 10 presidents since I was born. Some of you saying, Pastor, that's not anything. There's been 20 since I was born, come on. But there's been 10 different presidents. 10 different presidents, but only one king. The king of glory has never stepped down. He wasn't voted on. He can't be voted out. He wasn't voted in. Here's the good news. Jesus doesn't even have term limits. He does not campaign. His Holy Spirit convicts. He's not after votes. He's after the hearts of men. And let me tell you about the message. Our king does not approve the message. Our king is the message. He is the essence of redemption. Everything about him is lovely. There's nothing immoral about him. He's the supreme attraction that has the ability to unite the hearts of men. He can bring all kinds of people together. The truth is, y'all, the enemy has used this season to try to divide our nation and even the church at another level. But Jesus is able to bring us together. If Jesus can't unite us, no one can. But here's the good news, Jesus can. Hallelujah. No one knew this anymore than the great friend, disciple, and apostle of Jesus, a man named Peter. Peter knew firsthand of the redemptive power that was found in Christ. He knew that Jesus was a savior. He knew that Jesus was a way maker. Peter knew it, and today I know it. How many of you know that Jesus is a savior? I'm not depending or relying on somebody else's testimony, even though it's great to hear people testify. I know that Jesus is real because he's been real to me. It was this same man, Peter then, who told the churches in Asia Minor to do something very important. He said, here's what you need to do. Peter said, you need to make your call and election sure. Now I want you to understand what this grand disciple was declaring. But you can't really comprehend what Peter was declaring and saying and the instructions that were behind his word until you understand the atmosphere that he penned this letter in. He wrote the churches in Asia Minor. And the issues that they were facing and the problems that this letter addressed were actually multifaceted. There were many horrific situations going on that the early church was contending with that actually so resemble what we are battling today. The early church dealt with division. They dealt with people feeling superior to each other because of race and culture. They dealt with religious elitism and even the devaluing and the sanctity of human life. To top everything off, 
The early church had to contend with a government that was indescribable because that government was providing an atmosphere where Christians were being horrifically persecuted. In this atmosphere, it wasn't easy to be a Christ follower. The first thing I want you to understand about the early church is they were dealing within the church with an atmosphere of division. People felt superior to each other because of their race and their culture. There were Jews who did not appreciate the fact that there was salvation for all in the name of Jesus. They didn't like the fact that even the Gentiles now could have access to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were raised to believe as pure Jews that they were superior and that Gentiles were unclean. They were raised to believe that, that somehow they were a little bit of a cut above. And to be around Gentiles was almost, almost unbearable. And what concerned them and constrained them so greatly was that if these unclean Gentiles thought that they were going to be able to enjoy the blessings of salvation and the power of the Holy Spirit, then they were going to have to be circumcised. And they're going to have to fulfill the feast days. And they're going to have to honor the Sabbaths. And they're going to have to do all the prerequisites of Judaism. They were saying, we'll let you be saved, but you have to become more like us. You have to look like us. You have to worship like us. You have to react like us. You have to be more like us. Peter, who penned these words, even struggled with this. Paul openly rebuked him in Galatians chapter 2. In fact, this became so intense, this division and this elitism, that there was something called the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 where they began to address these issues and they began to talk about these problems of division. Even Peter, after he had had the vision in Acts 10 of the clean and the unclean animals coming down in a sheet and the Lord spoke to him and said, kill and eat and he's on the roof of Simon the Tamper, Tanner in Joppa praying and the Lord said, kill and eat. And Peter said, there's unclean animals in that sheet. I've never eaten unclean ever, ever, and I'm not about to start now. And the Lord did in there rebuked him and said, listen, don't you call unclean what I have called clean. If I call it clean, it's clean. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about it. Peter knew in that moment that, that the Lord was talking about the Gentiles and their opportunity to come into saving knowledge of Jesus. He understood that the Lord was talking about it being an opportunity for you and I. So don't sit out there and be cute and act like that wasn't for us because it was the opportunity for you and I to know the saving power of Jesus and not only that, be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Is there anybody thankful that you don't have to be a certain color or culture to experience grace? If you're thankful for that, make a little noise. 
Oh, let me get real with you. If you're still called up on what color somebody is, what culture somebody is, what background somebody is, you may be in the wrong church on the wrong Sunday with the wrong preacher and the wrong congregation because there are some of us who know that we would not be saved were it not for the red blood of Jesus Christ. That's the color that has made us all one. Make a little noise if you're grateful that you've been invited into the covenant. So they have a gathering. The apostles and the elders of the church freed these new Gentile believers from the yoke of the law and exalted the gospel of grace. But Peter still even struggled with that. And as I said, Paul rebuked him. But the reality of it all is this. The church in those days dealt with divisions. And we deal with divisions today. And the only thing that could heal the church was the exaltation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, it's sad, but racism on every side is still an issue today, even in the church. We want people to come, and if you'll act a little bit more white, or if you'll act a little bit more African-American, if you'll worship a little bit more in the Hispanic way, if you'll worship a little bit more in the Asian way, if you'll act a little bit more like me, if you'll act more like me, I can accept you, but can I... Can I say something that may bust your bubble? I thought the goal was not for us to become more like each other. I thought the goal was for us to become more like Jesus. Come on, if you want to be more like Jesus, make a little noise in the room right now. See, that's the same spirit that we deal with in this climate today. People say, well, pastor, you need to understand that there has never been a wicked generation like this before. There's never been a perverse generation like this before. Oh, really? Really? I don't know what planet you live on or what Bible you read, but the Bible that I read talks about a generation that the early church was birthed in that had similar issues that we're having right now. There was racism in the early church. There were problems in the early church. There was a devaluing of human life. In the early church, there were issues. In the early church, there were persecution. But right in the middle of all that mess, God sent his spirit and the mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost shifted an entire world and I'm telling you if God could do it in the early church God can do it right here in this church there were so many issues in the early church that mirror the things that we're facing today because the devil is not creative he's just using the same old bag of tricks can I get a witness now listen very closely the early church dealt with similar issues and on some levels, maybe even worse. In many Gentile cultures, a baby, a little child, a newborn, was not even considered alive until it walked and talked. What does that mean? That means that if a child, a little baby, was born with a birth defect, if it was blind, if it was, if it couldn't walk, if maybe you had a little boy or a little girl and you wanted a little boy, in these Gentile cultures, you could take that baby to the garbage dump and leave it there to die. 
That was the mentality of the Gentile cultures. There were people who would wait at the dump to look for these abandoned babies and bring those babies into servitude and sell them into slavery. It was a sick world. And I'm telling you, it's sad. And it's terrible that today we are dealing with abortion. I'm going to tell you that I hate abortion. I'm going to tell you that abortion is not birth control. Okay, get mad at me if you want to because I'm going to go all the way in today. I said abortion is not birth control. We don't have the right to kill a baby who's been living in their mother's womb for six months. That, that is not birth control. And you just better hear me. So I am pro-life, but don't get it bent. I'm pro-life from the time the baby is conceived all the way until the baby is placed in a casket. I am pro-life from the womb to the tomb. I am pro-life for that baby. I want that baby to enjoy life, to know Jesus, to be saved, set free, healed, and delivered his whole life. I am pro-life. That same baby that we say we want to protect, well, well, I believe that we should. I believe it's the right thing to do. But let me tell you what we're going to have to do if we're going to protect these babies, which we should then we need to make sure that our tax dollars are not being spent to abort them, but they're being spent to create, uh, to create an opportunity for these babies to go into foster care, for these babies to be adopted. Because if you're gonna let them live, you gotta make sure they can live. Oh, come on, make a little noise in this room if you're tracking with me. Because I'm pro-life from the womb to the tomb. That means if this baby that we said that we are for and we want to protect him, we, can, we don't stop protecting him once he's born. That means in America, in a country like America, no baby should be despised because of the color of their skin. Where y'all at? No baby should be despised because of their background. If we say we love them, if we're going to be, this is, listen, this is not political language. This is church language. This is kingdom language. That same baby, if that baby gets leukemia or that baby gets cancer, we need to have an atmosphere where that baby can go and receive medical help and be, I'm talking about being pro-life from the womb to the tomb. That same baby should have access to education. That same baby should have access to a good atmosphere where he can earn a decent living. That same baby should have an opportunity to buy a home for his family. Oh, come on, somebody. That same baby, when he becomes or she becomes a senior adult, that same baby should be able to have Medicaid and Medicare and live well on their retirement and social security. Let me tell you something. I believe the old folks ought to have social security. They paid for it for goodness sake. I need at least three people to, to make a little noise if you're tracking with me. We've got to get kingdom language back in the church. We've got to talk about life from the womb to the tomb. We've got to get revival back in the church. We've got to get awakening back in the church. And we've allowed the Democrats and the Republicans to hijack the conversation. And it is time for the church of the living God to say no matter if you're newly born, if you're in the womb, or you're on your way to glory, we are for you and we are behind you.
If you'll stay with me, you may get mad at me, but I'll make you glad before it's over. Come on. Because I'm looking for kingdom conversation. Come on now. I'm a part of the kingdom. It's a problem. There was a lady in our church that we love. They've been a part of our church for years. Her husband just went to heaven. But she is, was in hospice this week. But I, and I go to pray for her, spend some time with her and her family. I come back, and within a day, I get a note that they have taken this poor, precious woman that we love, who is a part of my family. Hey, I'll fight you if I'll fight you over somebody coming to Calvary. Come on now, yeah, that's the truth. You mess with my church folk, you'll see the righteous Jim Rayleigh rise up and say, "Take your hand off of them." They come on, they're my family. Anybody glad you're a part of the family up in here? What made me so aggravated? was the fact that they pushed this lady out of hospice who was on her way to heaven because they said her insurance ran out. This is America. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. I saw something a few months ago where we have been funding these different art galleries and one of the art galleries that got millions of dollars They've been putting up pictures of Jesus, actually, of, of, a, of a cup of urine, a clear cup of urine, with a crucifix upside down placed in the cup of urine, and my tax dollars are paying for that. Don't put my tax money in that kind of mess. Put my tax money in making sure that that lady has a place to, to go to heaven in dignity. See, I think it's time for the church to begin to control the conversation and let the world know we are ready for revival. Somebody make a little noise if you're ready for revival. See, here's the reality. The truth of the matter is, we need to control the conversation as the church. People, regardless of their age or their skin tone, are made in the image and likeness of God. And this is why you better be careful how you treat God's children, because God is watching. Understand me, the early church was built in an atmosphere where life was not valued, but the church was counter to the culture. The church loved people incessantly and without shame. This is why through the years, Calvary has remained faithful to love and take care of folks because we value human life from the womb to the tomb. You say, well, Pastor Rayleigh, what do you mean? I value human life. This is why I did more than just talk about it. This is why I took a child out of foster care. This is why I adopted a child and I made him my very own. This is why people like the Hogs and their ministries, they're so pro taking care of children that are in foster care. And I'm telling you, we cannot let the Democrats and the Republicans hijack this issue. It's still the church that needs to rise up and say, we are all children of God and everybody matters. Peter wrote to the churches in Asia Minor. They were struggling with religious and racial elitism. They were struggling with a devaluing of human life. But there were other things that were going on there. The early church dealt with real and true persecution. Their persecution was really, really real. They were being burned alive at the stake. Their children were ripped from them and killed before their eyes. They dealt with real persecution. They were fed to hungry lions. 
but yet I've seen people on Facebook. I've seen people uh, on social media talk about how persecuted the church is in America. Pastor, we are, we are being persecuted. We are so persecuted. For real? For real? We want to say we're persecuted? Don't you think the martyrs in heaven might get embarrassed for us? saying that we are persecuted. We are meeting here today. We're in this room and we're magnifying Jesus. We're here today and we're glorifying the Lord. We're here today and we're lifting up the name of Jesus. See, we really don't have a clue about, perse about persecution. I get a little embarrassed for people. Now get mad at me, but stay. Yeah, I told you, you might not like me now and then in this message, but if you'll stay with me, you'll like me when it's all said and done. But we've got to stop saying that we're enduring persecution. We've got to stop acting like, oh, we're we're under horrible persecution because we I'm Pastor Rayleigh, we're battling with persecution because they made me wear a mask in public. Really? That's your persecution? You had to wear a mask in public? Let me tell you something. The Bible said that the church in the, in the New Testament, they loved their lives not unto death. They were willing to give it all for Jesus. Where is the church that will rise up and say, you are not going to silence my mouth. I'll open it and proclaim Jesus as king. Somebody make a little noise if you're tracking with me. We don't know about persecution. And shame on us for acting like we do. In China, they meet in caves. In China, it's still illegal to have a Bible. Believers in the early church dealt with true persecution. They dealt in an atmosphere where life was cheap and there was elitism. And the government was not only out to get them, the government wanted them dead. But Peter understood that nothing could stop the Lord. He understood that Jesus was greater than any attack of the enemy and he was tasked with changing the mentality of that culture. Where are the pastors that will stand up and understand we have a job to do. We've got to shift the thinking of this culture and turn it toward Jesus Christ. That means we have to love everybody. Peter understood something that I want you to understand. Peter understood that he was a part of another kingdom. Peter called the early church believers sojourners. That means I'm passing through. And Paul called them, declared them to be Christ ambassadors. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. It means that we may be American citizens while we're on this planet, and that is good, and it's not wrong to pray for your nation. It's not wrong to vote. It's not wrong to speak up. It's not wrong to love your country. But let me tell you, when it's all said and done, our ultimate citizenship is not in this world. My ultimate citizenship is that I am a child of the King. I belong to the Lord, and you will never separate me from that reality Jesus is my king Jesus is my savior Jesus is my deliverer and here's I'm gonna really make somebody upset but you need to understand that kingdom is government and the government of God is greater than the government of men we get so constrained by the government of men when the government of God is greater than the government of men 
You know what the Bible said about Jesus when he came to earth? Isaiah said it like this. Isaiah said the government shall be upon his shoulders. That's why when it's all said and done, I'm not going to sit around and worry about man's government because in the end there will be a name that will be high exalted above every name and that name is Jesus and that's my king. Are there any King Jesus people in the house? Let me hear just a minute from the King Jesus people that are in the house right now. The government of God is greater than the government of men. Caesar found that out. Nero found that out. Lenin found that out. Come on. I was in the, I was in the former Iron Curtain in the USSR. Within one year of the Iron Curtain falling, I was there preaching the gospel. You know what Lenin said? Lenin said, we're going to make the name of Jesus almost unknown in the world. Jesus, his name is going to be forgotten and relegated into some fantasy, into a fairy tale. But let me tell you, I've been to Lenin's tomb. Did you know that Lenin is re-embalmed every Thursday? Do you know that they have him there behind plexiglass? He's as dead as he ever was. He's still in that tomb. Nobody remembers much about Lenin, but here we are today lifting up the name that is above every name because the government of God is greater than the government of men. And when you don't know who Lenin is, there will still be those that will worship around the throne and say, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole earth. If you love Jesus, give Jesus a mighty praise. This is why Peter said to this church, he said, make your calling and election sure because the world will shift. Things will happen. Times will change. Earthly agendas will come and go, but Christ remains. His kingdom remains. Your calling is your purpose, and your election is your choice. And I'm telling you, you need to make up in your mind that regardless of what happens in elections, regardless who's president, governor, prime minister, that there is a king who reigns eternal, and his name is Jesus, and that's who I am ultimately connected to. See, your world is unstable. My world is unstable. And you need to understand that you have been placed here. Look at me, sisters and brothers. You have been placed on the planet with an earthly purpose, but a kingdom agenda. God wants you to fulfill your purpose in the earth, but the agenda of heaven is what we must be about. You are a Christ ambassador. You are a kingdom representative. And I'm going to say something that may upset some people, but no, I love you. It's time to get Jesus, Jesus back at the forefront in the church. If we said the word Jesus as much as we say the word vote, America would be in red-hot revival right now. Oh, where you, where's the shouting people now? If we said the word Jesus as much as we say the word Trump, as much as we say the word Biden, as much as we say the word Clinton, Obama, Bush, and Democrat, and Republican, if we said the word Jesus as much as we say right, and as much as we say left, and as much as we say conservative, liberal, and evangelical, if we said the word Jesus as much as we say coronavirus and mask, there would be a red-hot revival that would burn from Alabama to Alaska. I want the name of Jesus to be ever on my lips. I 
want the Holy Ghost to be big in my heart. I want to let the world know there is an answer. His name is Jesus. Where are the Jesus people? Jesus. You say, what are you going to do when this election is over? I'm going to have revival. What you going to do if Trump wins? I'm going to have revival. What you going to do if Biden wins? I'm going to have revival. What you going to do if people contest their election? I'm going to have revival. What are you going to do next week? I'm going to have revival. What are you? I'm going to lift up the name that is high above every name. And I'm going to see revival in this church and a uniting of people who love Jesus. One more time, all the Jesus people, make a 30-second praise before him right now. Come on, a 30-second praise right now. Come on, you got about 10 more seconds. Only if you're a Jesus person. Only if you're, if you're a kingdom person. If the church can make the conversation about Jesus, abortion would be taken care of. We would make sure and take care of children who need medical attention. Oh, where y'all at now? We wouldn't let elderly be pushed out of hospice because that's not the Jesus way. And we've allowed the government to hijack the agenda that the church needs to open their mouth and speak to. Let me tell you something. I gave up being popular a long time ago. I know some people like me and some people don't like me. But now at 56 years old, I have graduated from the university of I don't give a rip. That means that I don't have to stand before you. I have to stand before God. That means that I have to be faithful to deliver the whole counsel of God. But it also gives me joy to tell you that we have not been abandoned and we have not been forsaken. Our tent has been packed and running over with people just like you who are saying, send revival to our land. See, the most important election of your life is not the temporary elections of men because they rise and they fall. Even if the earthly candidate that you choose is not elected, your king still reigns unrivaled. Just look at somebody that might be aggravated with pastor right now and tell that person on your road, say, your king still reigns unrivaled. Yeah, he'll still be on the throne on Wednesday. He'll still be on the throne on Thursday, Tuesday. He's still going to be king of kings and lord of lords. So what's the most important election of your life? The most important election many of us have already participated in is this one. When we elected to make Jesus king and Lord of our lives. Anybody glad you did that? Now here's where it gets real. Here's where it really gets real. Because if you have elected to make Jesus king of your life, then that means you have more confidence in the government of God than you do the government of men. So Peter says, here's what you're going to need to do. He said in verse 4, you are partakers of the Lord's divine nature. 
Uh-huh. That means when you chose him, you became a partaker of his divine nature. But also for this very reason, you need to give all diligence, stay committed, add to your faith, virtue, and to your virtue, knowledge, and to your knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. That means if you really elected him, and you've really chosen him, then you have to choose as well to be like him. What are you saying? I'm saying that means, that means that when we choose him, our lives should reflect self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. I saw somebody the other day get on Facebook. Somebody who is a believer who I've seen stand on stages and sing and worship and praise and they cussed up a blue streak and had World War III because something politically went awry that they didn't like. And I'm saying, what kingdom are you a part of? The Bible said, now here's where it gets real, verse nine, for he who lacks these things, that's brotherly kindness and brotherly love and perseverance and godliness and self-control, he who lacks these things is short-sighted they don't see the big picture even under blindness and have forgotten that he has cleansed us all from our old sins he said if you get so caught up in the atmosphere of men and you get so mad about elections I'm telling you if you lose your mind and you cuss and you get mad and you unfriend people and you go crazy and you fuss with people when this election is over it's because you have lost sight of the big picture you're short sighted Stop acting like you're spiritual when you're mean. You are short-sighted even under blindness and you have forgotten. So here's what I'm gonna do. When this election is over, I'm gonna still name my same king as king. Don't let an earthly election cause you to forget who you are and what kingdom you are ultimately a part of. After this election is over, don't forget to remember who you've already elected. You say, Pastor, what do you expect our church to do? What do you expect the Calvary family to do? What do you expect me to do after these elections? Are you ready? Now I'm going to be your daddy. Now I'm going to be your spiritual father. Now I'm going to be the apostolic authority in your life because the Bible said he gave the five-fold ministry to govern. He gave the five-fold ministry to govern the church. So I'm going to speak to you today like your daddy. You say, Pastor, what do you expect me to do? What do you expect our family to do? What do you expect Calvary to do? I expect you to manifest the fruits of the Spirit. I expect you to be kind to one another. I expect you to unite around the premise of a king and a kingdom, not a politician in politics. I expect you to come in this place and say, it doesn't matter who's president, I know who's king. I expect you to come together and name the name of Jesus and make sure that he is above every name. I expect you to act like you know that God has got this thing under control and the government of God is greater than the government of men. Well, I don't like who's been elected. I don't like him. I didn't ask you who you voted for to be president. I asked you who you crowned to be king. We can be a part of different expressions in politics. I don't, it's a free country, but there's not two kingdoms. 
and there's only one Jesus. Stop seeking political reasons to be divided and begin to seek kingdom reasons for coming together. What was the atmosphere of the early church? Elitism. People thought they were better than others. The, the Jewish people who were purist didn't even want to eat with the new Gentile believers. And they said, maybe I can accept you if you'll get circumcised. Maybe you can hang out with me a little bit if you honor the feast days. If you honor the Sabbaths, but Paul put all that to rest. If you're still, oh, I gotta, I gotta worship God. I have to go to church on Saturday. Because uh, he said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. I can, I can only come to church on the Sabbath, but yet the early church worshiped on the first day of the week and they called it the day of the Lord. When was Jesus resurrected? On the first day of the week. When was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost? On the first day of the week. So the believers worshiped on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. You say, well, Pastor Rayleigh, what does the Bible say about that? Paul dealt with it all. He said, let no man despise you because of the Sabbaths or because of your feast days. Here's the truth. You say, well, I only worship on Saturday because that's the rest day. No, the devil has fooled you yet again. Because of what Jesus did, we don't have to wait till Saturday to have rest. We have entered into rest. That means Sunday's a day of rest, Monday's a day of rest. That, they would come on Saturday and try to fulfill religious, oh, help me, Holy Ghost, prerequisites. But once Jesus said, it is finished, he said, I dealt with all that. It's all good. Just know every day you've got rest. Just read the New Testament. Don't get sucked into those traps. That's religion. So watch. They dealt with racism, religious elitism, the value of life deteriorated, persecution, government issues. They dealt with problems. But in the midst of it all, God built a church that you and I are a part of today. In the midst of it all, God poured out his spirit and poured out his power. So you say, Pastor Riley, what are you gonna do? I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna still call sin, sin. If you don't like that, you're not gonna like to come to my church. I'll, I'll still call out. I'll still, I'll still talk about the sanctity of life. I'll talk about marriage between a man and a woman. Come on, somebody. I'll still talk about, I'll talk about, I'll talk about that we need to make sure that we take care of them from the womb to the tomb. I'm going to talk about taking care of children. I'm going to talk about, uh, we need to make sure that if somebody needs medical attention that they're able to get it. That if there's a child, it, my own child that I adopted, had he not had opportunity to come into my house, I would hate to think that Peyton would ever get a sickness that he couldn't be treated over. I think that we need to take over the conversation and say, older people that need uh, that need Medicaid and Medicare that need Social Security we need to step up don't don't spend my tax dollars on creating an atmosphere where we can have all these all these art exhibits that they're spending millions of dollars there put my money into making sure that people who are struggling are taken care of So 
So here's what I want to do. Everybody stand up. Make a little noise if you still love me. Okay. Make a little noise if you might love me even a little bit more. Come on, because I preach the truth. I... Okay. Now, everybody watches the, their stuff online. They wa they, they, they'll watch their news. They share all their stuff. And uh, I, want, I want you to share this, because after these elections are over, I'm going to guarantee these results. Tell your neighbor, listen up. After these elections are over, I'm going to guarantee these results. Are you ready? Uh, after these elections are over, no matter who is elected as president, God will still be on the throne. Oh, come on. If you're glad that after these elections are over, that Jehovah will still be on the throne, make a little noise in the house. After these elections are over, I'll guarantee these results. Jesus will still be King of Kings and he'll still be Lord of Lords. After these elections are over, the Bible will still have all the answers to everybody's problems. Let me tell you this. After these elections are over, the tomb will still be empty. After these elections are over, prayer will still work. Your children will still be saved, healed, delivered. Your body will still be healed. Jesus will still be who he was before the elections. He'll be the same after the elections because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Presidents come and go. Prime ministers reign for a moment. But there is a king eternal, and that is my king. So here's what I want you to do, precious. I spoke to you today from the heart of a father because I've seen the enemy so trying to navigate this season that he would try to divide us as kingdom people. In my lifetime, look at me now, I've never seen a time like this. The conversation of Jesus has got to get back in the church. We've got to start talking about Jesus more because only Jesus can bring us revival. Now, here's what I want you to do. This week's election is important. Pray, really pray, and then vote. And after you vote, trust God and say, God, I'm a part of your kingdom, and I'm going to lean in and make sure that that's my ultimate identity. Here's my question to you. Now, I know I'm, I probably made some folks aggravated with me, but I'm kind of used to that. But here's what I want you to do. When we shift on paths, this season. Help me win a lost and dying world to Jesus. Will you do that? Let's love struggling people. Can I, can I count on you to do that? Can I count on you to love your brothers and your sisters? Because let me tell you something, when you get to heaven, 
there won't be a Republican section or a Democrat section. Oh, it's quiet in here. Come on, there won't be a white section or a black section or a Hispanic section. Oh, let me make y'all real, real mad. Won't be an Asian section. Let me really upset y'all. There won't be a Baptist section. Won't be an Assembly of God section. Won't be a Kojic section. Honey, we're all going to be so glad to be there. We won't even care who our neighbors are. Come on, can I get a witness? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Because I can't do it by myself. You believe I love you. Do you know it? Where were you born? In Florida. Where was your dad born? Mexico. So your family is? Mexican-American. All right. You believe I love you, son? Yes, sir. Have I proven it? Yes. You believe I love your family? I love your son? Have I proven it? over and over you're a spiritual son and daughter of mine you're precious to me your son is precious to me your marriage your life your future is precious to me so I have a Mexican right here I have African American right here how long you been my friend 35. Actually, I've been married 32. Were you best man in my marriage? Was I best man in yours? Do you believe I love you? You really do? And you're a cracker. <laughs> but you believe I love you? Who, who, who's your king? Jesus. Who's your king? Jesus. Who's your king? Jesus. There it is. Because the government of God is greater than the government of men. The government of men will divide us. The government of men will kill the work of the Lord because none of it will be perfect. But there is a government that is on the shoulders of Jesus. So when this is over, will you help me heal our church? Will you help me heal America? Will you help me heal the land? If you'll do that, one, two, three, make a little noise and let all hell know. I said, let every devil of division know. Let every attack of the enemy know. Let every demon know that baby, there is a king. He was reigning in the beginning and he's going to be reigning in the end. He wasn't voted in and he can't be voted out. He, is, he doesn't approve the message. He is the message. Jesus, Jesus, Je come on, shout his name 10 times. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Somebody give Jesus a praise.
Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be a part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060, or you can give at calvaryfl.com give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also for you to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. Again, thank you for joining us.